Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to another episode uh, from the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast. My name is Max Esperance. I'm a one-year Master of Business Analytics student here at Tulane University. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working with the Taylor Center. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company. I'm very interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. Here with me today is uh, my co-host, Michaelina Engelmeyer. Hi everyone, like Max said, my name is Michaelene Engelmeyer. I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program here at Tulane. I am also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking. And I hope to one day work in the area of international nutrition as registered dietitian. I am from Chicago, Illinois, and I served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Mozambique. Thank you so much for having me here today, Max. Well, welcome, Michaelene. It's very great to have you. So today we will be listening to Terence Moline. Terence Moline's passion is infusing people's stories and images to create art. He started off involved in sports. He also performed in his choir and got into graphic design working for his high school's yearbook. He really loved music and also enjoyed working uh, his, he also enjoyed his time with the yearbook as well. Uh, personally, I'm looking forward to hearing how Terrence incorporates his sports background into his work, if he does that at all. Uh, what about you, Michael, and what are you most looking forward to hearing from Terrence? Uh, well, personally, I'm looking forward to hearing just about Terrence's journey and kind of how he came to build his community through his design work. Oh. Well, let's have a listen. So I started life as an illustrator and designer. I've always put stories and images together. Back in the early 90s, owned, not early 90s, I'll do late 90s, um, had a design shop in New Orleans where I was servicing uh, Liberty Bank and a couple of other institutions that were amazing to work with. I had a few clients that I really loved in a little shop on Magazine Street that I shared mm-hmm. with a few people. And Katrina happened. And I forgot to um, have international and national clients. All of my clients were based in New Orleans. Um, so yeah. I started over in Austin looking for a community that I could relate to, uh, being that New Orleans is, I believe at the time it was like 85% black or 60% black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started an online community called African American Graphic Designers. And uh, initially, it was primarily to connect with other designers. And we started getting a lot of project work. And from that project work, well, initially, we got the project work. I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't, this isn't, we're not taking on projects. I'm not trying to manage this. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that it was um, the business model that I probably had been missing 
and it turned into a really excellent tool for marketing because it just so happens that I was looking into search engine optimization and design at that time and a lot of people were looking for us. Um, so that's been going for over eight years and the business portion has been pretty amazing. We've done work for uh, criminal justice reform. Uh, we've done work for Princeton's Black Student Alumni. Uh, we take large corporations and small mom and pop shops. And right now, I'm trying to figure out exactly where we fit as African-Americans within the design industry, the proper pricing for working with African-Americans in the industry based on data that I'm getting from AIGA census and um, USGov, and just trying to figure out new, new pricing structures and new ways to operate that are not driven from a white male dominated view, I'll be honest. So I've been traveling back and forth between Austin and New Orleans. I think the art community and culture, that's vibrant and mm -hmm. it's ever changing. Well, not ever changing, but I mean, it's, it's always something interesting to look at and view. Right. The design community, I, I wasn't as deeply connected to it uh, when I was there. And even now I know designers from New Orleans, but I don't keep up with the largest or the large trends that are happening in New Orleans at this time. Uh -huh. I know I've been doing some work in New Orleans and people request the same thing, which is fleur-de-lis on everything. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's still, it's right. still culturally ingrained in New Orleans that it's really hard to get people to like see beyond and do abstract things. Um, uh -huh. But that, that's all I have right now on the uh, design industry in New Orleans. As I delve into it, the more time I spend there, which I intend on doing, the more I'll be able to give you some, some more accurate feedback. So I played basketball in high school. And uh, one year my basketball goal broke. And all I could do was dribble for a whole summer, which I'm sure drove my neighbors absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. So I would just dribble up and down the street. I had no intentions. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I practiced. And uh, the next year I, uh, I wound up dribbling so well that I became the point guard. I didn't really understand fully the situation. It's just that the skill and the practice led me to something. And that's pretty much my story for graphic design also. Um, I initially started um, as an illustrator um, and I didn't exactly know the full path. I just knew that I wanted to make money from art and that it would be challenging. So I started at Loyola University with a music scholarship and music and graphic design, I was always debating between the two. And both of them are challenging to make money. And well, it was art and, and music. Uh, so I decided that I would lean towards graphic design. And the reason why that is, is because in high school, I worked on the yearbook staff and there was a senior who was leaving and going into graphic design and they told me what it was for the first time. Cause like, what am I doing? This is kind of cool. This is kind of like art and working with text and like slipping subliminal messages into the yearbook. And I thought it was really fun. Mm -hmm. um, so after I learned what it was, I started school and still did a double or a major minor with music and graphic design. And then the more I got into graphic design, the more I decided that it was something that I could do. And that because graphic design and technology move so fast, we're always switching what we do and trying to keep up. Uh, the same reason why I got into web design, it was more or less to kind of check people who were working on my designs. And then the more I delved into it, the more I liked it. So that's a component of what I do now. And I started studying search engine optimization. So that's something I do now. 
I worked for 10 years as the interactive marketing manager for the hotel and conference center on UT's campus. And now I take all of those skills for digital marketing and design and sell that to all of the clients that I interact with. I don't see it going a specific direction. I see it going everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. Something that I'm newly very interested in is uh, VR uh, because I went to- Virtual reality? Yeah. And okay, are, cool. Yeah, and thinking about how design is going to work in that space. Um, I went to the mm. Hue Design Summit two years in a row, and uh, the first year they introduced VR, and it was the first time I put on a, a headset. Um, this year is the first year I actually purchased a headset, and I've just been really looking at it and trying to understand how that works and realizing that a lot of people will be using that platform to learn skills. So it's something that I definitely need to look at. And also for design, I'm, I'm seeing that designers need to look more at business design, community design, just design outside of creating graphics is what I see mm. a lot of people looking for right now. I am not a learned practitioner of design thinking. Matter of fact, I'm just learning some of the procedures. Mm. Um, but what I am understanding from my own experience is how design thinking integrates into business strategy and um, how at different levels of uh, business people are lacking the vision and creativity to figure out how to organize things beyond what they've learned through tradition. Okay. So for me, it's, it's a tool to break into traditional thinking creatively and be able to explain where businesses should go from a design perspective. I can see how it's necessary from what I understand. Mm -hmm. um, because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so from what I understand, it's a way of integrating design principles into things that are much larger than producing graphics. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, putting in procedures that we use within the design process to help businesses better organize and produce or reach their goals. I think this, Past summit, listening to Owen Hammonds was the first time I really realized that it was more like the scientific method. So I'm still mm -hmm. in the early stage of stages of experimenting with it. And I'm still uh -huh. looking for resources because for the most part, I work in isolation. Um, mm -hmm. I do work with other members of African-American graphic designers to produce work. But these are the things that I'm looking towards, like design thinking in that process so that I can better teach it to the people that I work with and implement it into my process. Mm -hmm. But it's new, it's fascinating, but it's still very new to me still. How my personal identity influences my work is it um, guides the people I choose to work with. Um, that's one of the reasons why I've chosen to work with African-American clients. That's the majority or institutions that work for African-American issues. Yeah. Um, because I believe that I have a perspective and enough research um, to help guide the branding of African-American identities. And that's one thing that I am pushing towards is trying to help nationally um, elevate the identity of African-Americans through the research that I do. So for instance, I work with several professors and I love reading their texts to see the things that I have not, or read the things that I've not seen or imagined before and to try to develop illustrations to help our community see these things in a way that's easily recognizable. 
Mm -hmm. um, other ways my identity influences the work is I really am influenced by the music I listen to. And I try to integrate uh, certain concepts from the songs that I hear and the techniques that are used within things like hip hop or jazz. And I'm also heavily influenced right now by Afrofuturism and reimagining these ideas and changing the, the outcome based on my own imagination or uh, information from texts that I've read. So, so I used to be in choir where we mm -hmm. competed and by the rhythm um, and the pattern. Matter of fact, I've done oil paintings for a while and I do abstract oil paintings based on the um, rhythm in layers that I hear in music. Uh, so I'll talk about something that I'm working on right now. Um, I'm working for this professor, Dr. Talitha LaFloria. Um, she wrote a book called Change in Silence, and it's the story of mass incarceration of Black women right after um, Reconstruction. And it's a pretty heavy book to get into, but my process has been to immediately get the book and start reading. And I will honestly YouTube every single lecture or podcast that I can find on the subject that I'm working on to help mm -hmm. me figure out exactly what graphics we need to make for the website or for, every, for anything. And uh, what's the best angle? I love finding things that are hidden within um, the book uh, that we can use so that I can illustrate and create new things as opposed to the archive of information that you normally see. So with most things that I work on, you'll have the standard images that are produced that everyone sees. Um, but I would like to do, what I'd like to do is um, take those images and recreate images that better illustrate some of the, some of the instances that occurred in the book. So I read the book and then I usually write a brief and talk to the professor about the direction they want to go, uh, their target audience, uh, their goal right now. Uh, she's an academic who's trying to make sure that she is more of a public scholar, which I am always a fan. Matter of fact, all of my clients that are professors and doctors are the same. They want to have more of a social presence and get their information out to more people. And um, I've been building her website and making sure that I use the keywords, the research that are going to draw people to her website. And then I present all of those things to her and start building out the comps. Um, once I start building out the comps, I have to think about things like landing pages and how are we going to see if this thing converts, which is something that a lot of people don't always think about when creating pages like that. Um, and then we work together. I pick the palette based on what I see them wearing consist consistently and sometimes the colors that are already used on their book. And then I develop an integrated system so that the colors work together. And then I apply those to the website. And then we launch, that's usually the process. Um, I'm, mm -hmm. I'd say I'm a researcher actually more than anything. Um, I always go down rabbit holes. So I, I, I like to research and um, see what their target audience is interested in. And then uh, check to see what other people are doing that are in the same industry and then build things that are abstract or not so on the nose. And that's always kind of hard, um, convincing clients to take that leap. And as I do more design, I'm finding that communicating these ideas is the most important thing about design. I think like that's the sauce mm -hmm. right now, is being able to yeah. understand these things, put them in a process and communicate it in a way that the client feels confident. Is if you are not in the design field, 
um, talking to people, not just in the design field, but people who are creative, who are used to putting together uh, projects and try to bring as many different team members as you can to the project because it's gonna provide different perspectives, which mm -hmm. is gonna to lead to a stronger result. Uh, so don't think that you have to think about everything in a bubble. There's always help mm -hmm. around. And don't discredit anyone's creativity. Musicians think about things in a way that other people don't. So mm -hmm. include everybody. Wow, what an interesting listen that was. Terrence Moline offered some very insight, insightful perspectives in this podcast. Uh, well, my co-host, uh, Michaeline, um, I hope you enjoyed listening to Terrence as much as I did. And uh, how do you think that placing identity impacted Terrence's work? Uh, well, just, you know, hearing his story, his design business was severely impacted by the effects of Hurricane Katrina since all of his clients were New Orleans based. And he, he phrased it interestingly. He says that he forgot to have national and international clients. And when he started over in Austin, he saw the community he could relate to as at that time, the demographics of New Orleans were really reflective of his identity as a black man. So in a way, his business was so integrated into the fabric of New Orleans that once it experienced the impact of Hurricane Katrina, his business deeply felt that impact as well. So I think that offered him the opportunity to explore his his uh, racial identity and, and rebuild his community when he had to build it from the ground up all over again. What do you think? What did you think about well, um, well, I told his commentary on, on identity and place? Yeah, I loved how he, he incorporates his hometown into his work. Um, you know, coming from a sports background, Terrence learned the importance and skill of practicing and how sometimes just starting somewhere, anywhere at all, anywhere small can create something really meaningful. This not only exposed him to a very elemental aspect of design and creating, but a rewarding aspect that led him further into that creative field. Terrence also has a music background, which continues to strongly impact his creative perspective and approach to design thinking. So overall, or other than his... Uh, race and his you know where he's from i would say uh who he is as a person is and his experiences that strongly impacted his work yeah that's a good point i i do think he really heavily identified with uh, with the sports background and with music and just being a creative person so i i definitely agree with that perspective so you know we're two students who aren't formal designers right mm -hmm. you have a background in business i have a background in public health so what advice did you take away from this episode um, as a non-designer and as someone who is employing design thinking methods? So as a non-designer, the uh, advice that I got from this is to not get caught up in the process and feel like you need to follow the Bible or certain rules for design or a certain set of rules that people tell you to follow. Uh, there is no right way to design, and if you follow a Bible or a set of rules, you could compress some of some of your really powerful ideas, and you can make your project become very small and narrow. So, rules can create an important, productive framework, but beyond that, being creative is about thinking outside of structures. Projects can also be so creative and innovative uh, when they are made within a process, no matter how liberating that process claims to be. So, it would be just. You know, pretty much to think outside the box and to not, you know, conform to what everybody else is doing to allow yourself to think. So what about you, Michaeline? What did you what advice did you pick up from this? Yeah, I, I've noticed that advice um, patterned with a few of the designers interviews that we've listened to that that pattern of not 
constricting yourself. The importance of just starting, of letting the process itself inspire you rather than confine you. Mm -hmm. It's just been a really common theme and something I personally find really reassuring because I personally can sometimes get caught up in option paralysis and the notion of just doing something, I think, really helps me feel unstuck. So I really appreciate that perspective well yeah i agree um, i agree with you michael yeah. and we're on the same page as that it, it does a, l- a little bit of freedom just you know it makes you a lot more comfortable and does open up space for you to think and add your own input to things and you know let letting your imagination uh you know s- s- being seen by others is a big part of design and i think that terrence is really big on this um exactly was there anything he said that surprised you anything that you didn't agree with or anything that inspired you So I think Terrence found himself in a place where he was feeling a little bit lost. You know, his business was changed entirely by Katrina, uh, predominantly because of the fact that it was so integrated into the community um, that, like I said, you know, when the community suffered the effects of Katrina, so did his business. But Terrence was able to rebuild his community by starting his African-American designers online community. He saw and felt a need for community and he took it upon himself to create it. That's massively inspiring to me. Um, what about you? Did you find anything that well, was uh, surprising or that inspired you? Well, this might be a short answer, but what really inspires me about Terrence is that he's actually trying to do something to help his people do better. And the fact that he's actually creating businesses and trying to give, you know, people of color the chance to collaborate and create something together is inspiring uh, because, you know, people, you know, people of color minorities don't typically have a platform that's accessible as uh, as other races. So I think that Terrence actually doing this is very inspiring to me. Yeah, I agree. I think his spirit of wanting to genuinely help really came through in his interview. Um, that being said, was there anything that you wanted to learn more about? Or, you know, if you could ask him another question, what do you think it would be? Yeah, uh, if there was something I could learn more about, I, j- I just want to know about his uh, family's history. I wonder if his uh, parents were immigrants. Uh, I know he's from New Orleans, but maybe, I don't know if he was uh, originally, both his parents are originally Creole. So I just would love to hear more about um, his family's background, what his parents do, and, you know, other aspects be uh not in this interview that has that could potentially affect his thinking and the way that he does things so just a little bit more on his uh his background would uh would be very interesting for me to uh learn more about now uh, what about you michael um i would love to hear more about how terrence is going about figuring out new pricing structures and new ways to operate that aren't driven by a white male viewpoint mm-hmm. um In public health, we're always thinking about the cultural relevance of a program or intervention and how we could go about adapting all aspects of the program to suit the cultural needs of the community we're serving. And it's just so interesting to think about how something as basic as business operations or, you know, as basic as pricing structures might not be culturally relevant to all communities, even within the same country, you know, within the United States. So I would love to hear more about how we can dismantle these existing systems and kind of reimagine the institutions we just see as a given and then adapt them to be suitable for all populations and equitable to all people. Oh, that's an um, interesting viewpoint. And I, uh, yeah, 
And uh, you make a great point. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I do think that, you know, the world would be a better place, you know, if we, we had situations that were suitable for all populations and equitable to all people. So thank you. So uh, as as mentioned before, identity has always played a role uh, in Terrence Moline's work, and uh, especially his personal identity. Uh, he mentioned his personal identity guided uh, who he chose to work with, which was predominantly African-American clients. Um, he also empowered um, his community by using design to elevate voices and to power, empowering organizations that work with uh, African-American issues. So. Strong design with powerful messages have the ability to create a meaningful impact. This means the world to me and is a motivation of mine to empower people that look like me. So uh, his work truly speaks to who I am as a human being and who I am as a black man in this country. And as I mentioned before, I'm a master's student here at Tulane University and my program is not the most diversified. And when you walk into a room and there's barely anyone that looks like you, it does uh, does you think about it a little bit, and I think that Terrence, um, you know, using his identity and who he is to do his work um, resonates a lot with who my community and uh, who I am as a person. And uh, I truly appreciate his work and what he is trying to do. And I hope one day I could uh, do something similar to empower my people as well. So what about you, Michael? And is there anything... Uh, how does his work or his experiences um, resonate with your discipline, your identities your, in your communities? Yeah, actually, it's uh, it's interesting that you say that because kind of the exact sentiment you expressed, it resonated with me, but kind of in the opposite way. So being a white woman and experiencing the level of privilege that comes from not being a minority in my community, I feel it's important for me to learn about the cultures of those who don't necessarily look like me. So working in public health, the communities that demonstrate the most need are oftentimes communities that are comprised of individuals from minority backgrounds, you know, historically marginalized populations. And it's important to be responsible and cognizant of that and conscious of my privilege. So Terrence's story resonated in that I'm also aware of my racial identity and I want to actively branch out from my bubble and learn about other identities different from my background because my experience has almost been living in a bubble and that's not something that I want to perpetuate. I want to branch out and learn more. Well, I uh, thank you for your input, Michaeline. I truly uh, appreciate uh, what it is you just said and what you're trying to do as, you know, somebody who you know, you can't relate typically uh, to the experiences of African-Americans and other minorities. And I wish you the best of luck. And thank you for joining us today on this this episode, Michaeline. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, having me. And listeners out there, uh, we want to hear what you think. So please feel free to check out the Taylor website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, 
our design thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wasal, the students of the fall 2019 SICE 30-10 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.